0: Well, it's so awesome to see a father reading scripture with his boys. Thanks, guys. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Frank Lucas. I am one of the pastors here at Community Covenant Church. And as always, I am excited to be able to share with you today as we celebrate not only our grads, but also our dads. So happy, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, to all the fatherly figures. Now personally, as someone who lost his father at a pretty early age, I can, I can attest to the impact that all the non-dads can have on someone's life. So many of you have stepped up, you have filled the gap in so many ways for me, and for that I will be forever grateful, as I know there are countless others that are as well. You may not have a son, you may not have a daughter, but that doesn't mean you do not have influence. Now, I heard a quote from Mark Twain that I just had to share with you this morning. I thought it was precious. It says, when I was a boy, he says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to be in the same room with him. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in just seven years. I think that's awesome. And, and well, perhaps if this was a quote from today, the age might be a little north of 21, but that's besides the point. If I may, the reason I share this is is simply this. Dads, I don't think, simply get the credit uh, that they deserve sometimes. I'm not saying they're perfect. My father wasn't perfect. I know that I certainly am far from perfect. But that doesn't mean that dads aren't worth celebrating, worth pausing to say thank you, worth pausing for to say I love you. Now, I know that for some people, Father's Day and, and holidays like this and, and Mother's Day and, and other days throughout the years can, can sometimes be a, a little bit of a painful reminder, a reminder perhaps of someone that we love that we've lost. It could be a reminder perhaps of a relationship that is fractured. Perhaps it reminds us of some past hurts. You see, the reality is it can stir up all sorts of emotions for us. And while your pain, my pain, in these moments is very real, I don't want you to think for a moment that I'm diminishing that. What I do know is this, is that the hope and the love and the joy and the peace that we find in our heavenly Father is just as real and just as powerful. And I pray that you begin to experience that same hope and love and joy and peace that is ours only through him and his son, Jesus Christ. So today, in this moment, on Father's Day, let's celebrate not only our earthly fathers, our earthly fatherly figures, but also the love of the never-ending, never-failing love of our heavenly Father. Now with that, I think it's also important to note that while today I will be addressing men uh, and in particular, uh, particularly fathers, this message really is, I feel, applicable for all of us. for moms, for singles, for teens. Uh, really for everyone. I believe God has something uh, he wants to share with us, with his church, if you're willing to listen for it. Now, as we dive in, right off the bat, I wanna make sure you know that this isn't going to be a try harder, try to do better, raise the bar on your parenting sort of sermon. All right? That, that's not the idea. We, we've seen, we've heard, we've had these sorts of messages come around us over and over and over again. Raise the bar. Now, now here's the deal. Should we work hard on parenting? Absolutely. Should we work hard on being the best we can be? 100%. Should we try to be better husbands and better fathers? Of course. Try to live life to the fullest? absolutely, we should do all these things. But that's not what this moment, that's not what this sermon, that's not what this message, that's not what I believe God wants to share with us in this moment. I believe there will be some, uh, or at least I hope there will be some practical tips and tricks uh, maybe for you, uh, some things that you may find helpful along the way. I also know that there could be a few moments where you might feel a little convicted But I want you to be encouraged. We need to remember that God's call is to the broken. It is for the broken, not for the self-righteous. It's in the brutal self-awareness of our own brokenness. When we come to terms with the depths of our brokenness, that the gospel is so sweet. So in these moments where we may feel a little angst, where we may feel a little convicted, that's okay. That's the spirit working inside of you letting you know that, hey, you can't do this on your own, but that's, that's what Christ is for. Now lastly, as we get ready to dive in, please keep in mind that this, all of this is coming from a guy who is trying to figure it out just like you. I am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I simply uh, feel led and have the opportunity to share with you on this day what God has impressed upon my heart with all of you. So with the time that we have in this moment, what I want to do is take a few minutes to look at what God's word says about a father's focus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this day where we, we come and we celebrate dads, we can't help but think of you and your love for us. And Father, as we, as we get ready to dive into your word and, and to hear what you want to say to us, to your church, we just ask that you stir something in our hearts, open them, that we may be receptive to you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds that are open and ready to soak up what it is that you so desperately want to share afresh with us. We ask that you be the primary teacher in this moment. And Father, we can't wait to thank you for all that you're doing, both in us and through us. And We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. My wife, Katie, and I, we have four beautiful children. Uh, Emma, Ava, Addison, and Frankie, 10, 8, 6, and uh, 5. As of today, Frankie was born on Father's Day uh, five years ago, and we are just so, so excited and so blessed uh, by our family. Uh, But now, just in case you're doing the math in your head, because I'd be the guy that's doing that, uh, I will have at least, get this, one child in either middle school or high school For the next 13 years. That's crazy, right? I deeply covet your prayers. This is gonna be challenging. Now, here's the thing. Like, I love my kids. Do you sense a buck coming, right? I love my kids. I should probably stop there. But they can be hard. They can be a handful. It doesn't mean that I don't care about them. I don't love them. Look at them. They're beautiful. They're awesome. It just means that at times... It can be challenging. Parenting, being a father, can be hard. It's okay to admit that. We don't have to try to pretend like we have it all figured out, because the truth is, we don't. If it was easy, if parenting, being a father was easy, and it was something that we shouldn't be concerned about and should be on our radar, I'm willing to bet there wouldn't be so many passages of Scripture addressing it. My family has been the best gift in the world to me. These kids and my wife, the best gift in the world to me. But these gifts, they didn't come with a gift receipt. <laughs> right? There are days where it feels like it's not the right fit. There are days where I kind of want to swap them out. I, it's, it's awful to say that, but I'm just being honest with you. There are days where it is extremely difficult. There are no returns, no exchanges. And while I'm thankful for that, what I'm reminded of is this: this is my crew. For better or for worse, this is my crew. The greatest contribution, Anley Stanley says, the greatest contribution that I may make to the kingdom of God may not be something I produce, but rather someone I raise. That's the call of a father. That needs to be the focus of a father this is my crew for better or for worse so why not why not make the best of it why not make the best of it now one of the things that i've learned over the last 11 plus years or so is this if you're taking notes this is something i want to encourage you to jot down the days are long but the years are short whether you are a parent of an infant with sleepless nights, with diaper changes and bottles, uh, night after night after night of colic and appointments, Uh, whether you have a preteen that you can't seem to figure it out, maybe you have a terrible two, terrible three, ferocious four, furious five, Uh, we could keep going, right? Like, whether you have any of those, uh, or maybe you have a teenager that's, oh, teenagers, or maybe you have a 20-something or a 30-something that's just taken up residence in your basement and they just, they won't leave, all right? Perhaps you have uh, a grown family, and they have their own kids, and so you're a grandparent at this point. What we know is that the days are long. The days are very long, but the years, the years are fleeting, and they are short. These days, they quickly add up. They turn into weeks, into months, and into years. And before we know it, within the blink of an eye, if you're not careful, you miss them. The days are long, but the years are short. So let's make most with what we have. Amen? Amen. Now, in the Bible, one of the earliest passages of Scripture around parenting is found in Deuteronomy 6. That was the passage that was read for us earlier. I want to turn back there, if we may, uh, for just a few moments. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This command called the Shema has been the focal point of the Jewish faith for millennia. In fact, this is what Jesus quoted when he was asked by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law when they were trying to trick him up what the greatest commandment was. He didn't, he didn't skip a beat. He says, oh yeah, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is equally as right, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. What does Jesus do? He goes and he raises the bar for us yet again. He expands on it. He raises the bar. It continues on. Verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Get this. Impress them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Wow, church, let me tell you what. This is as practical and as pragmatic as a passage of scripture you will find pretty much anywhere in here. Do that. Do that. The problem is this we can't. Apart from Christ, we can't do this. And and the other problem with it is this. If we're not careful, we might just miss what God is trying to share with us in these words. Now, years ago, before I was in ministry, I was a builder. I was a contractor. I used to build homes. I, I loved it. I love to create things with my hands. I love being able to to tinker and to envision and to put it together. And if I'm honest with you, probably my favorite part of the whole process is at the end when I can sit back and just look at what I've done. It's probably a little prideful, but God's working on me, so that's okay. Uh, But I, I love to tinker. I love to create. But what I found is this, that as a father, I am often building. Not just the Christmas presents, not just the birthday presents, not just all the stuff that Katie has ordered on Amazon over the last few months in this pandemic, which is uh, way more than we probably should have, okay? Um, but here's the thing. As a father, I find that I am building things all the time, not just stuff, but what I'm building is this. You ready? Walls. I'm building walls. Walls. Walls that I use to try and protect my children, my family. Walls that I build to try and keep them safe, to keep them in, and to keep dangers and others out. You see, the thing is this. I can control to a certain degree what goes on within these walls that I've built and that I've erected, that I work hard to maintain. I find that I am building walls that somehow, I strive to build walls that somehow shorten the days and lengthen the years. Did you catch that? I I build walls that try to shorten the days and lengthen the years, but what I find God impressing on my heart is that this approach is all wrong. It's intuitive to me, it fits my narrative, it fits my selfish desire, it fits my will, but that's not the focus that God wants me to have as a father, and I don't believe that's the focus he wants you to have as a father or as a parent, as a brother, as a sister. God's desire is for us to be builders. Yes, but not builders of walls. God wants us to be builders of bridges. Bridges that connect them. The people we love, the our oikos, all right, that connect them to Him and to His love. We need, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to start tearing down the walls that we've been putting up for years and years and start building bridges. Bridges that connect them to the world around them in a way where they begin to understand who they are, why they matter, how they contribute, and to whom they belong. Not me, but Him. Now, here's the thing no matter how tall of a wall, you may build. Here's what I've learned. No matter how tall of a wall you may build, they will tunnel under, they will climb over. At the very least, they will climb up and peek and see what is on the other side. The influence of the world around us on our kids, on our teens, on our families, is greater than ever before. You can try putting up a wall or building a fence. You can get a firewall, a really good firewall, but the reality is the world is at our fingertips. In un- Precedented ways, and this is how we experience the world today, and we can either come to terms with it, uh, we can come to uh, the reality, the understanding that this is how the world works at this point, and we can try and build a bigger wall and limit things, and, or we can try to help our kids uh, engage with it in a healthy way. We can come to terms with the reality and help them engage with the world through this and around them in a healthy way, or maybe we just simply try to build bigger walls and pray, hope for the best. A father needs to be building bridges, not walls. So how do we do this? How do we do this? In the passage we just looked at a few moments ago in Deuteronomy 6, there are a few things that stood out to me that I think we can glean from. And there's a lot of practicality uh, that could be taken from this, but again, this is not really the point. But what I, what I see is this, that we as fathers, that we as parents, as followers of Christ, as those with influence, we are called to, to impress on our children on our families, on our spouses, on our friends, on our, on our oikos. We are called to, to be diligent as followers of Christ. That is when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down, when we get up to talk about God's love, to read about God's love, to write about God's love. That's what it lays out for us in Deuteronomy 6. All day, every day. This is what we are to do. We are to be diligent. But what happens? Far too often, we try to create these perfect little moments where we can leverage our influence with those around us. We want to make sure that the house is just right. We want to make sure that the to-do list is all set, that the laundry is done, that the inbox is all all cleared out that the kids rooms are nice and tidy we want to do all these things and once everything is all set then we can have a moment right that's not what this passage is sharing with us Right? When we sit, when we walk, when we lie down, when we get up. Ordinary, everyday moments are when it counts. I've been in ministry for a while now, and I would love to be able to stand here and to share with you that my kids come to me day in and day out and say, Father, teach me. Oh, Father, teach me about the precious love, never ending love, the grace of God Almighty. It's never happened. All right, it's just, that's not how it works. All right, they are never, I mean, I would love for them to do that. I don't know what I would do if it happened, but like, I would love for them to come to me and for that to happen, but that's not what happens. That's not the reality. We have to create moments. We have to search for moments where conversations can take place. We have to steward the opportunities that God is providing for us day in and day out. Sometimes we get so focused looking up at the billboard or for the billboard that we miss the million street signs that are at eye level. Let me say that again. Sometimes we have our heads pointed up looking for the billboard That we miss the million street signs that are at eye level right in front of us, all around us. We are being exhorted here to leverage the everyday, ordinary moments that are right in front of us. Now, I want to share a few examples here, if I may. And and this part could feel a little bit convicting, but I want to encourage you to stay with me here. The car ride. The car ride. Try turning off the radio. Shut off Spotify or Pandora. I don't care if it's a minute or two hours. You have a captive audience when you're in the car. The commercial on TV, man, I love my DVR. I love Netflix. I love skipping ads. I love skipping commercials. But what if I just hit mute during the commercials and I chose to engage with the people around me about what we just watched? I help build a bridge. I help connect them. I help connect the dots for them. Maybe instead of liking someone else's uh, kids' project on Facebook, we like our own kids' project that's been hanging on the fridge for months that we just look past every time we go to the fridge. Better yet, what if we sit down and make a project with them? technology man i don't know about you and this this one is hard for me but we get on our kids about screen time all the time but what if what if we shifted what if we shifted our thinking church what if we stopped looking at technology as something to limit and we started looking at it as a tool leverage. What if we viewed screen time as something we could invest in? Our phones. Man, this is a tough one. Here's an idea. At the end of the day, when you're supposed to be engaging with your family, when you're sitting on the couch, you don't need to respond to a colleague's email or browse Facebook or Instagram, or go on TikTok for hours on end, uh, consuming, mind-numbing entertainment. Use the phone, use the device, use the tablet. Write your kids an email. If they can't read it, that's okay. Read it to them. Write your wife a note. Pick up the phone and text them. FaceTime them. Show them how this is a tool that can be leveraged for good. Not just something to be limited. And demonstrate how it can be used for good. Tech is here to stay. We can fight it or we can use it for good. Are we gonna build walls or are we gonna build bridges? Here's one that I I know convicted me, not on technology. When it's time for yard work, when it's time to get out there and get some work done, while you're cutting the grass, maybe invite them to work with you rather than sending them inside. Will it be harder? 100%. Is it going to come out the way you want? 100% not. But let's, let's ask ourselves an important question here, shall we? straight lines in our grass or a few moments of joy because you let your son steer the tractor. So what if he bumps into the slide? So what if it's a little crooked? My grass looks great. And as I stand here and I share that I've never been more ashamed of it. I don't remember the lines in my lawn growing up, but I remember the conversations I had with my father when we were working together. Some of the greatest conversations I ever had with him, they weren't, they weren't scripted moments. They weren't when he looked at me and said, son, come sit by my side and let's have a heart-to-heart It was the intentional, organic moments that he created in the everyday, mundane tasks. We can, we can try to script it out, church, but life doesn't ever go according to our plan. So why do we keep trying to force it? My point is this. We need to seize ordinary moments if we want to see Extraordinary results. Let me say that again. We need to seize ordinary moments if we want to see extraordinary results because the truth is this. Those are the moments when God is going to show up. Stop looking for the billboard and start paying attention to all the street signs. Our extraordinary God uses the ordinary, mundane, everyday moments of our lives for his purpose, for his good. So let's start seeking those moments out. The days are long and the years are short. Build bridges, not walls. Seize ordinary moments to see extraordinary results. And lastly, church, here's what we need to do. We need to drop to our knees in humility, and we need to Ask God the Father for his help because that's where it all starts and that's where it all ends. When we think about how the days are long and the years are short, when we think about building bridges and tearing down the walls that we desire, when we think about seizing ordinary moments, the reality is we begin to realize how short of the standard we actually are. We realize that it's a standard that we could never live up to. We cannot do this apart from him. Why? Because the bar has been raised by Christ. It's at a point where we cannot get to it. It's at a level that we cannot achieve. The bar is set by the perfect Father. The bar is met by the perfect Son. And everybody and everything falls short of that bar. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you we need to raise the bar. I'm going to tell you that there needs to be another solution. There needs to be another way. And there is. His name is Jesus Christ. We can't raise the bar any higher, nor can we lower the bar any lower so that we can meet it. That's not how it works. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? uh, Chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right then, be perfect. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Have a great afternoon. Right? What is Jesus saying here? What is this all about? What Jesus, I think he's saying is, hey, I appreciate your efforts. I appreciate your intentions. I really do. But, but, my standard is perfection. You can't get up here, guys. You can't do it. You can't reach this. You can't get there. And here's the thing. He knows that. He knows we're going to fall short, and that's okay. You want to know why? Because we fall short, but he doesn't. He doesn't fall short of that standard. When you put your faith in the perfect son of Jesus Christ, what happens? Instead of seeing your shortcomings, God sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. And he then credits that perfection to you. You've been declared right with God, not because of something or uh, uh, not because of something we've done or a bar or a standard that we've strived to reach our entire lives, but rather because He met it. Here's the deal, Church. He sets the bar. He clears the bar. He takes the bar. He takes it and he breaks it. He forms a cross. He dies on this cross for you, for me, because he loves us. And then what does he do? It doesn't stop there. He conquers death and rises again, getting rid of the bar once and for all because it's not something we can do. He does it for us. It's not about what you do. It's about what's been done for you. A father's focus starts with nothing but the son. So this morning, I want to encourage you to remember the days are long and the years are short. Start working on building bridges, not walls. Seize ordinary moments to see extraordinary results. But most importantly, most importantly, drop to your knees in humility because a father's focus should start, has to start, can only start with the son. Are you going to stumble? Yes, of course you are. You're going to fall down but he's going to be right there with his righteous his righteous right hand, and he's just going to lift you back up. Will you stumble again? Probably. And you know what? That's okay. He is there. His mercies are new every morning. So I don't know where you find yourself in this moment, but what I do know is this, a hundred years from now, the only thing that is going to matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter for your wife, your spouse, For your kids, for your friends, for your neighbors, is their relationship with Jesus Christ. So, right now, Father's Day 2020, in the midst of COVID 19, a pandemic, all the stuff going on around us, God is providing you, He's providing me, He's providing us with an opportunity right now in this moment for a new beginning. For a new beginning. And it's my hope, it's my prayer, that you will drop to your knees in humility. Accept his love, accept his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, so that you can begin to experience life in the fullest. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, in many ways, we thank you for the bar that you set that is just too high for us to achieve. Because Father, it makes us aware of our brokenness. It makes us aware of our weakness. And what we know is this, that it's in our weakness that you are made strong. So Father, today, You know what's stirring in the hearts of those that are listening. And Father, I would just kindly ask, boldly ask, that you would do what only you are capable of doing. Father, the standard has been set. It's perfection. The bar has been set, we can't reach it. But you can, you have. And for that, we are grateful. So Father, today we thank you for the dads. We thank you for the men, we thank you for the moms. But most importantly, we thank you for your love, your never ending, never failing love. We thank you for your arms that are stretched out wide. And Father, we can't wait to look back at moments like this where where you are at work in us and through us and give you all the glory and all the praise. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, by whom all things are possible. Amen. Amen.